Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Hey, folks, it's the Nonprofit Exchange, and this is Hugh Ballou. I'm in Charleston, West Virginia today. Russell, you're still in uh, Colorado, aren't you? Still here, right here in the sunny Aurora, Colorado. Yeah, we've had some cold weather, but it's 72 and sunny in Charleston today. This is this is the number one tourist destination in the country, they tell me. So I'm I'm anxious to eat some of that southern seafood they have down here. So we have a distinguished guest today, and since I'm I'm mobile, I'm going to let you uh, take the lead today. So this is a this is going to be a very interesting version of the nonprofit exchange. So. Russell, why don't you let uh, our guest introduce herself? Yes, and today we have uh, a very exciting guest. And she's the CEO of Embold Media and host of the Peace Un- Unleashed podcast. Ellie, greetings. Thank you for joining us. Why don't you tell uh, our audience a little bit about yourself today? I will definitely do that. First of all, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, I, I know he, you've been traveling, so I really appreciate you hopping on with us. And Russell, you've been just nothing but sunshine. <laughs> You're just so wonderful. I enjoyed every conversation we've had. So thanks so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm very excited to contribute whatever I can. So I am uh, a serial entrepreneur, and I started my first business when I was 19 years old. And uh, I have a media company called Embold Media. And uh, last year I started, uh, actually about this journey started maybe three years ago where uh, I recruited a couple of friends of mine and we started creating meditations because, um, you know, with everything going on in the world, if you want peace outside in the world, you have to find peace within. That's, uh, that's the way to world peace is through our individual hearts. So we started medita- creating meditation courses. We started hosting meditation parties in LA. If you're interested, get on the email list. Uh, they're really a lot of fun. It's a dinner party with meditation thrown in the middle of it. Uh, and then uh, last year, I started an Instagram account called Peace Unleashed. And it was simply for the purpose of inspiring people, reminding them that they are perfect and they're wonderful and they are, um, you know, unconditional love, individualized in physical form. And I started sending daily reminders out. I call them love notes. And uh, the account started obviously with no followers and it's a a bit over uh, 3000 followers right now. So the popularity of that and the questions I was receiving led me to start doing Instagram lives to answer questions about how do you attain internal peace? Uh, how do you, uh, you know, maneuver through all this contrast and this chaos? How do you uh, tap into unconditional love when there's so much reason to block that love? And so I started answering the questions on Instagram live, and then that evolved into a podcast called Unleash Your Peace, uh, in which I simply talk about the different aspects of the internal world and how to do all of those things, you know, how to find inner peace. And uh, so because I have this corporate background and entrepreneurial background, I've been doing a lot of talks and uh, doing webinars and uh, bringing the spirituality into companies, uh, going to schools and talking at schools. And uh, I found that this is a really big passion of mine because I had a lot of chaos growing up. It took me a long time to find peace within myself and uh, just being able to share all of that, how I was able to do it and how I been helping others uh, do that for years, uh, this has been pretty much a highlight of my life. I think this is what I'm here for, you know, what I'm here on this planet for. You know, there's, uh, there seems to be a lot of conflict 
uh, in society today. You turn on the TV, mm-hmm. uh, you see people sort of at odds. You see people that have and people who do not have. And uh, are, are we starting to see a movement toward uh, finding something uh, a little deeper? Uh, people are, are dissatisfied at their work. Uh, a, a lot of, of nonprofit leaders are really up against it. They're 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 having some some difficulty with funding. Uh, mm-hmm. Some changes to the tax law have uh, potentially changed the giving environment. But uh, you know, with 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 uh, nonprofit and we call them for purpose businesses, yeah. uh, there's a lot of burnout, and and not only are people. Uh, facing keeping their organizations going, they are are dealing with real human problems uh, that they see out there, and uh, they've seen a lot of conflict. So, so is there a movement toward that in the business world and in other places toward really finding some sort of uh, a deeper meaning or some sort of way to uh, to take care of themselves, find more meaning in their work, and, and to get along with others? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, right now we're at a really exciting time, and it's easy to overlook that. I mean, when you look around, first of all, we live in a science fiction world. You know, <laughs> I'm speaking to you through this tiny device, <laughs> you know, that, that is essentially a computer, the three of us are in completely different areas. The people watching from all over the world. I mean, this is science fiction we live in, right? So if you go back a hundred years even, it's, it would be unfathomable what we're doing here right now. So it's very easy to kind of forget how exciting this time is. And the other thing that's really easy to forget is that, you know, the macro... Uh, mimics the micro. And when we look at the micro, we know that any breakthrough we have on an individual level, anytime we have achieved anything on an individual level, anytime we have expanded on an individual level, it has come as a result of contrast, right? So I don't call it conflict. I call it contrast because that's all it is. All of the things that make us feel, um, you know, chaotic and confused and upset and frustrated, all of those are questions and all of them are challenges. Guess what? We cannot have answers without questions. We can't have solutions without problems, without challenges. So we should actually be thankful that we are facing all of these questions, that we're facing with, we're faced with problems that we can actually solve because Without those, there would be no expansion. I mean, can you imagine, Russell, living in a world where all of your needs are taken care of all the time, everybody looks the same, acts the same, thinks the same. There's no need for language at that point, right? Because we're communicating just by being, by, just by knowledge. I mean, it's this euphoric, wonderful place, and I'm sure it's beautiful over there, but there's never any need to create anything. So, uh, and I think if we shift our perspective and look at all of the contrasts we're experiencing as opportunity for expansion, opportunity for creation, something quite magical happens because then we're not looking at people who are creating conflict or contrast within our lives as, you know, this, enemy who is like trying to ruin our lives. We actually see them as leaders, as spiritual leaders who are helping us expand, right? So some of the best science, I'm a sci-fi person. I love science fiction. And some of the best science fiction movies uh, of all time are the ones before CGI, before there were all these amazing solutions for making things very, very realistic, right? Because the directors were faced with a problem. How do you communicate this, you know, fantastical concept in a uh, compelling and, and uh, real way, right? So when you have tough questions, you just come up with better answers. So I, my heart totally goes out for every business owner, every, uh, you know, nonprofit 
uh, owner, you know, because we're making, we're trying to make uh, impact and we're trying to make this world a better place. But if you switch your thinking around and say, okay, so these challenges are happening not to screw me, you know, not to mess with me, but to make my solution that much better. Ellie, you're just amazing. I um, wanted to welcome people on Facebook. Um, I've been traveling and we were late getting on, but we've been, they've been listening to you on Facebook. So I mm -hmm. wanted to uh, uh, rally back around and just give us a, a quick explanation yourself and then we'll let it go back to Russell because he's got a really good line of questioning, but we'll have some people come by and visit on Facebook. So just give them an update of who Ellie, Ellie is. And how do you say your last name? It's Shoja. Shoja. Shoja, yeah. Um, so I'm a writer, I'm a producer, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I'm a public speaker, a motivational speaker, uh, an author. So, and I was uh, just uh, talking a moment ago about how I've been starting businesses since I was 19 years old. It's a disease at this point, you know, just like all other serial entrepreneurs, I just can't sit still. And recently in the last couple of years, uh, I've been using, um, you know, that background to create solutions for people to find inner peace. So what are all of those internal tools you need to live your best life yet? So I had a very unconventional, weird, traumatic upbringing and it took me a while to find, you know, to find peace, to find groundedness, to find all of these, you know, concepts that, that I share. And uh, this way of looking at the world that where nothing is ever going wrong, everything is always working out for me. And uh, so now that I have found it, I feel very much compelled to share it with as many people as possible so that others can find peace, you know. Love it. Where are you? Where are you talking from? I'm talking from beautiful, sunny Southern California, Los Angeles, California. Right, Russell. I'm going to throw it back to you. Thank you for your good questions. Thank you. Yeah. And so, uh, meditation creates what yeah. transformation in the lives of people. And uh, I don't know that people always reach from for meditation. They might. Think of it as a religious practice, or not really think of it in terms of the practicality. So, yeah. talk a little bit about why it's practical in any organization setting, whether that's a for-profit or non-profit. Mm -hmm. How can these tools, in a practical way, help people take care of themselves and really sort of transform the mm -hmm. dynamic within that organization? Yeah. Uh, Excellent question, Russell. Such an important question as well. Uh, a lot of people have a misconception about what meditation is. You know, you think about meditation and you think, you know, some monk sitting on top of a mountaintop and, you know, uh, transcending this world. And that is one aspect of meditation. That's one way of practicing meditation. But meditation is not, as you said, a religious practice at all. Um, it's not even that much of a spiritual practice, to be honest with you. I mean, there's a lot of spirituality that comes in through meditation, but it's not even that. So what is then meditation? And to understand really the impact of meditation, we have to understand one very important thing about the way we live. And that is that we have thoughts, right? So thoughts are things. Thoughts are, uh, you know, when you have a thought, anytime you want to create something, first you create it in your thought and then you create it in the real world, right? So, but the problem is as useful and as wonderful as thoughts are, a lot of times for most people, for 99% of people, their thoughts are running their lives. Right. So people, most people are not in charge of their thoughts. So while our thoughts can really help us create the world that we want, most of the time, the way we use thoughts is in a very self-destructive way. We let our thoughts um, create a reality by default. What do I mean by that? You, a 
thought pops in your head. Uh, you know, you start a project and the thought pops in your head. What if this doesn't work? Right. What if, uh, who am I to, to talk about this? You know, like I'm never going to be able to finish that. Now it's just a thought. And, but the problem is if I just entertain that thought, or if I think that thought is something real and has any kind of grounding in reality, guess what? I'm never going to finish any projects, right? I'm never going to do anything with my life that is worthwhile. Um, so what meditation does is it allows us to step back and realize that, first of all, we are the thinker of that thought, right? So I become aware that I am thinking at all. And then meditation helps train our mind to release the thoughts that are not serving us so that we can replace those thoughts with, with ones that do serve us. Well, yeah. And that's so, we talk a little bit about both the conscious and the unconscious mind and a lot of the chatter that goes on. Yes. Uh, the subconscious mind really drives the bus in a lot of ways mm -hmm. uh, because we don't have to think about taking time to breathe. We don't have to think yeah. about uh, a lot. There are a lot of things that just uh, are handed over to our subconscious, all of our body functions and so on. Uh, but underneath, the subconscious has a lot of power, a lot of creative power, mm -hmm. and it's working there. And with meditation, uh, it, you know, uh, my, my misconception of meditation began yeah. early with this notion that at some point, uh, something shifts, or, or it changes in some type of way. And what I'm finding now in, in putting it into practice is that it, it's there to help you understand your mind and put your mind into practice. And so uh, I think with a lot of people, especially now with all of the stimulation coming in, uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're a short attention span society with 27 news and everything else going on. And uh, I, I think that has an impact on, on how calm each of us are as individuals. And so meditation can help quiet the mind. But why, why is it important for people to take time to quiet their minds, especially with silence? Because we're, yeah. we're so used to being overstimulated that, that silence is something yeah. that's kind of overlooked. Yeah, it was excellent, excellent question. Okay, so where does inspiration comes from, come from? Right, so the human being is essentially two parts. You have the physical human who is, you know, like, your body, it's, it's all the quantitative uh, aspects of who you are, right? So your, uh, your identity that you've created, your physical experience here in this physical world, right? So all of that is the human side of you. But then there's a much bigger part of you where essentially inspiration comes from, where you know, your joy comes from, all of the qualitative things that you can't fully explain unless you feel them, right? And that is your beingness. That's the non-physical part of you. And the human being, when we operate at our highest potential, it's when we close the gap between the two selves, between the physical self and the non-physical self. And what meditation does is it allows you to do that because your brain, your mind speaks the language of the human right? So it quantifies everything. It explains everything. It creates, you know, uh, theories and numbers and uh, descriptions and whatever in order to explain and teach. However, those things that you can't explain, that you can't teach, things like inspiration, where ideas come from, the feeling of joy and, and connectedness, right? Clarity. How do you explain clarity, right? You know when you're experiencing it, but can you teach someone to have clarity? You can't because it's qualitative, right? So where, do that, where does that come from? That comes through your heart. So your inner being communicates to you through information that is not given to you by your brain. It's given to you through your heart. So what then happens is you receive that information and you translate it 
with your mind into ideas that make sense to you in your world. So why is meditation important then? Because it quiets that mind. So you drop out of the thinking brain. And when you drop out of the thinking brain, you open up space. And in that space, you open yourself up. It's like the door opens up for inspiration to enter you. This is why, you know, we have our best ideas or we have aha moments when we're in the shower, when we're on the toilet, or, you know, like when you're just waking up in the middle of the night, when your mind is quiet, that's when you have those aha moments and you just know the solution to something that, you know, you've been grappling with for a long time, right? So, we can create that openness, that quietness, that space of just inspiration by learning how to quiet the mind actively. So a lot of people think that you just sit there and you close your eyes, what a waste of time. But meditation is not passive at all. I mean, you sit there, you close your eyes. By the way, you can meditate with your eyes open, but you limit the stimuli going in when you close your eyes, right? So we wanna limit stimuli as much as possible. So you close your eyes, you focus, you bring your focus onto one thing. And so that is of your choosing. I call that the home base. Your home base can be your breath going in and out of your nose. That's one of my favorites because I take my breath with me everywhere I go. But your home base doesn't have to be the breath. It can be you know, the trickle of a waterfall. It can be the hum of an air conditioner. It can be music. You can put on, you know, some meditative music and focus on that. The whole idea is you choose a home base and you bring your attention to that home base. Now that you've chosen your home base, when a thought comes, you catch yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm now thinking about what happened in third grade when so-and-so said whatever. And you become aware that you just thought that thought, what do you do? You consciously and actively release that thought and you bring your attention back to home base. Now, does it matter if you're meditating two minutes or 20 minutes or two hours? No, it doesn't. All the, the only difference it makes is that you have more opportunities to practice bringing your attention back to your home base if you're meditating longer. That's like doing two push-ups versus 20 push-ups. You're just going to get stronger faster if you do 20 push-ups, but two push-ups is still going to help your body become stronger, right? So that's all it is. We just quiet the mind. We become aware that we're thinking. We release the thought. And why is that important? Because it connects us to our heart space. It connects us to that place where inspiration comes from. And guess what? When you meditate, when you do this, when you really get good at that, then when you're in a stressful situation, you know, you're in a meeting and you don't know what to do. You don't have to step out of the meeting. You can simply bring your attention to that home base, take a couple of deep breaths while you're in that meeting and, you know, drop out of that racing monkey brain and the solution, the answers come to you a lot faster. This is why people who meditate are more efficient. They're more productive. They have better solutions. They see the bigger picture a lot more clearly. They have more clarity. They feel more grounded. You know, their relationships are better because they can communicate more clearly. I mean, there's so many incredible side effects to meditating that, uh, you know, we don't even realize. So Ellie, um, yes, sir. you don't realize yet, we've just become acquainted here, is that part of the philosophy that Russell and I uh, help people master is working on self. As yes. A, and so um, just studying some of the great religions, there's, there's a discipline of monks meditating, a Buddhist or Christian mm-hmm. or whatever, that there's, a, there's a, a deep meditation that's part of their, their self-knowledge but it's also part of our, uh, our leadership discipline. It's part of equipping ourselves. So I'm interested, as you tell the, the story, you've obviously gotten to a place that you've mastered it at a certain level. And I'm sure you know there's another level that you want to go through. But yeah. for those of us who've not even gotten that far, um, give us a little encouragement. This wasn't an instant thing for you. I imagine 
there was there was a, a time when you really struggled to find what you're talking about to be, yes. to be centered to be comfortable in meditation and the monkey brain boy is that descriptive how, how did you how did you fight um deal with that and, and overcome that because one of the things that Russell and I encounter with entrepreneurs is they're always busy mm-hmm. with activity. Yeah. And, and it's so unproductive. There's so many activities, they sort of cancel each other out. Yeah. And, and so as you're talking about it, there's a passion. But share your journey of how did you start? And I'm sure it wasn't an instant success. How did no. you overcome that and get to the next place? Give us some encouragement. Oh, um. Huge. That's such a huge question. So I'll, I'll see uh, where the answers want to come from. Uh, but I had an extremely, uh, you know, I've alluded to it. I've had a really unconventional traumatic childhood. And, you know, the reason I'm so okay with all this chaos happening around us is because I know the contrast is going to allow us to grow and expand as individuals and also as a society, as a, as a, uh, you know, global, you know, consciousness really. And I know that because this is true on the micro level in my life. So by the time I was 12, I wanted to kill myself. I uh, had such a, you know, traumatic experience that I decided there is no God because you know, a God that allows children to suffer as I had cannot exist. So I wanted to, I had severe nervous tics. I had severe anger issues. I wanted to just be done with this life. And for a long time, I lived in that place of just complete turmoil and chaos. And then in my mid twenties, my ex-boyfriend who then became my ex-husband, he gave me a book. He gave me The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And this book was my introduction into the self. So it, I read this book, I wept through the pages of this book. It allowed me to kind of connect with myself on a much deeper, deeper level. Uh, and it was the first step into this avenue, this new path of spirituality. And it took me another 10 years to really uh, start um, implementing and learning and, and finding peace uh, within myself to the point that I felt like I'm completely peaceful individual. But then I went through a divorce and I destroyed my marriage really royally to the point that, you know, I, uh, I, I just couldn't understand. And it made me realize there are still things underneath that I hadn't been addressing. And that led me into what you were talking about, Russell, which is the subconscious mind, you know, so we internalize uh, things that really don't serve us, beliefs and wounds that really don't serve us. And, um, you know, when, when you think about, okay, so something's in your subconscious mind, and I don't have control over it. So then how do you change something you don't have control over? And something that I have actually learned is that everything that is in your subconscious mind, you put it there consciously. It's not like it just happened accidentally because all beliefs and all wounds, they're simply uh, thoughts that you have thought a lot. So when you think a thought over and over and over and over, then what happens is your brain is going to say, well, this thought is very important to you. It must be true. So therefore, let me package it up and shove it underneath, you know, somewhere in the back where you don't have to worry about it. It's just going to be programming that's going to run all the time. So you don't have to keep calling on that. And so it turns into a subconscious belief. So I had certain subconscious beliefs that were getting in the way of me having, you know, the kinds of relationships I wanted. But how do you change that? Because at some point, those subconscious beliefs were conscious thoughts. You change it by having conscious thoughts that are different. You have to change it on a conscious level. So then that started the second leg of my uh, internal exploration. Um, So 
that has been kind of like my journey. It's going inward, going inward, going inward, identifying, you know, these wounds, these beliefs. And then when I identify them, okay, so that's discrediting them, first of all, you know, so that's not true. So then what do I want to rather believe? So then replacing them very consciously to, to, until you get there. Now, uh, Hugh, you mentioned something that is really um, quite, you know, something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with, which is that you have to work really hard. You have to be really busy. And there is a subconscious belief there that says, hey, if you're not hustling, you're not going to get anywhere. You know, if you're not working really hard all the time, you know, 16, 18 hours a day, then you're not going to make your dreams come true. But you can discredit that just by looking at people who work super hard and they don't have anything. I mean, how many entrepreneurs do you know who work, you know, their bums off? And they still have, you know, they're still struggling. And then on the other side, how many entrepreneurs do you know who have achieved incredible success and they don't work nearly as hard as you think they should be working, right? So they work just a few hours a day. They go on vacation all the time and, and everything just seems to happen. So what is the difference between them? The difference is that subconscious belief. So if you have that kind of a subconscious belief that says, hey, I have to hustle all the time. I have to work, 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 work in order to get to what I want and it's not working, you know, discrediting that belief is step one. And then what would you rather believe? Success comes to me with ease, right? So that's, that's a much more productive belief. All the cooperative components always line up at the exact right time that I need them. That's a much better belief than I have to work really hard and uh, fight for every tiny piece uh, that I receive. Russell um, comes to my mind, she's talking about this, down the road from me in Wise, Virginia, there's the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And um, Napoleon Hill uses different terms and different parameters for describing a lot of the stuff you're describing. But basically, yes. we're feeding our subconscious with our conscious thoughts. And the subconscious has to take it. And yes. so um, there's this, this whole thing about spirituality. And how does that relate to us being a business or running a, a generic mm -hmm. nonprofit? So Russell, he's, he's got some really good questions formulated, I'm sure. So I'm going to... I'm going to throw it back to Russ. Oh, yeah. What we're talking about is really taking care of our minds. And yeah. so here's, here's the, the, the two things that I find with meditation. The first is that a lot of people, have, and I came to this belief erroneously, a lot of people uh, think that it's this, this very difficult thing that takes many mm -hmm. years of practice to master uh, and that it, it's, yeah, because it, it's, uh, it's this difficult. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is that it's extremely time consuming. So mm -hmm. they, won't, they won't necessarily take time to, to look at that. So yeah. uh, talk a little bit about why it's not quite as difficult as it might seem and why uh, putting it to use, even for very brief periods of time, yeah. can be useful. What makes it practical? Why would a, would a nonprofit leader or anyone take a few minutes to try to master this? Yeah. Oh, great question. Uh, by the way, Hugh, I love Napoleon Hill. Uh, you know, that, that guy is just, has been such an inspiration for me over the years. It's, it's, there's a lot to learn. And I find that going back and reading, even his, his basic, the, you know, the, uh, the Laws of Attraction, or the the uh, the first book he wrote, the Thinking Grow Rich. You go back and read it again, and you underline it or highlight it with different colors. You see different things, different times. But but getting that clarity of thinking yeah. is is number one. You read chapter two every day, having a definite purpose, mm -hmm. and then people around you, and then having mm -hmm. a mastermind group, but also having yeah. a clarity of thought that you're centered every day. Yeah. Is, is what he learned from the 500 leaders he interviewed in his lifetime. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've seen his typewriter, I've seen where he lived, I've seen his desk. And, and it's really incredible to think about all the people he touched. And I yeah. learned recently, I'm a Paul Harris fellow in Rotary. He worked with Paul Harris. 
And, oh, that's awesome. And that's just amazing. So, uh, Russ, I'm going to let you answer Russ's question, and then um, we'll come back. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I read uh, Napoleon's um, Laws of Success in 16 Lessons, which uh, Think and Grow Rich is uh, an abridged version of that, essentially. But uh, what, a, what an incredibly interesting and fun man. Uh, so to answer your question, Russell, it's not time consuming. And uh, yes, those, those uh, kind of objections do ag exist. And those are the most popular questions I get. I'm not doing it right. You know, I don't have the time for that. And, and then they go on Facebook for 20 minutes, you know, and I did a, a talk at Cognizant um, about mindfulness and uh and i was telling you know after we talked about all the benefits of meditations and all the stuff it does uh, i was talking about okay so here are some ways you can incorporate it into your day every day and um and my kind of fun way of of showing how easy it is i said well you can have the midday quickie and you can literally set your timer for 60 seconds and uh focus on your breath for 60 seconds. Anybody can do that. And, you know, these are all consultants and they're very busy. And I said, and you can take your midday quickie on the toilet if you want to. Right. So it's really, uh, and, and all of that to say uh, that it doesn't have to be this big production, you know, like you don't have to like set time aside and play music and light some candles and, you know, turn it into some big production. If you wanted to do a push up you would just drop into a push-up right now, right? If, uh, you know, if you were, if you wanted to during commercial break, you would do 10 squats and it doesn't have to be a production. You don't have to go to the gym and, you know, put on your, uh, you know, workout gear and this and the other, you can just get up and do something. So the same with meditation, you literally, if you're feeling confused, if you're feeling overwhelmed, especially if you feel like you don't have the time to do anything. Um, a lot of times what happens is, I mean, just physiologically, what's happening is you're entering a fight or flight state. So your breathing is really shallow. The blood is not circulating in your body. So if you just simply take 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and just take really deep breaths during that time, you know, and count your breath, you know, five breaths in, eight breaths out, five breaths in, eight breaths out, just count that for 60 seconds. I guarantee you, you're going to come out of that minute uh, with a lot more clarity. Um, and I do want to just uh, make a point about this breath where the exhale is longer than the inhale. And the reason you do that is because uh, your body when it's naturally in a place of just complete relaxation and calm and clarity uh, your exhales are naturally longer than your inhales so then if you consciously extend your exhales uh, and you consciously extend the inhales and then make the exhales just even slower than the inhales then uh, you send your body this message that i am relaxed i am uh, i have clarity i am calm and uh, you drop out of that monkey brain, you know, so it, it makes it a lot easier to get out of that uh, anxiety. Now, love, another thing. I love that monkey brain thing. It's just, like, <laughs> it's just like, and, and I will share with you uh, to, to yeah. your point about not having to light candles. Um, running is a meditative exercise for me. Yes. Without the stimulus, your, your, your phone, mm -hmm. it's just being in God's nature. And Absolutely. Letting, letting whatever happen and not programming my mind to be doing something specific. So yeah. um, I have a limited amount of success with that, but your, your encouragement here has got me wanting to go back and do some more of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you bring such an important point up, Hugh, is that uh, you can be doing anything that you're doing. If you bring your attention into the present moment, uh, something we haven't talked about is how meditation shrinks time. It literally shrinks time. 
So if you're not thinking about what happened 10 years ago or what's going to happen next week in that meeting, you're, you're shrinking time. And what's the benefit of shrinking time is that when there is less time, vibration rises. And this is physics. This is quantum physics telling you this. I'm not telling you this. So we're finding evidence of why meditation makes you feel better uh, in physics itself, in quantum physics itself. So, so whenever we shrink time, your, your vibration naturally rises. And as you know, all of your emotions have some kind of an emotional, uh, vibrational signature. They vibrate at different frequencies. So when you are in a place of shame and guilt, for example, you're vibrating at like 20 or 30 hertz. That's very low vibration. If you're in a place of clarity and love and compassion, those are very high vibration emotions. You're vibrating at over 500 hertz. That's You're becoming literally less physical as you feel better, right? So uh, it is uh, physiologically to our advantage to feel better, to feel hopeful rather than anxious. So one way we do that is we shrink, we literally shrink time. And anytime you shrink time, vibration rises. That's why people who meditate, for example, age slower. They, they just age slower, you know? So um, at the top of a mountain, there is more time than there is at the base of a mountain. So people at the base of a mountain age slower. You age faster when you're at the top of a mountain. So that all goes into just, I, I'm, <laughs> I love science fiction and just quantum physics because it's so sci-fi-ish, but, uh, but really fascinating stuff. So we can do that by shrinking time. And how do we do that? You just become super present in whatever it is you're doing. If you're cooking, you know, pay attention to how that, uh, you know, the onions are sizzling in the oil, what it smells like, you know, how it's like um, the drops of water that are, uh, you know, fogging up the lid or, you know, like whatever sensation, whatever is present in that moment, if you just pay really close attention to it and bring your attention right into this present moment where the past no longer exists and the future doesn't exist, you are in a meditative state and you're going to raise your vibration. You're going to feel better. You, you're going to have more clarity. It's just physics uh, says it's going to be so. So it is so. You know, one of the things that uh, I belong to a science of mind uh, center for spiritual living. Oh, nice. Part of our philosophy uh, is, is or the lion's share of our philosophy is about making your mind your friend and yes. having that connection to the outside. But it's a very personal journey and meditation is mm -hmm. a really personal journey. And uh, so uh, tell me a little bit, and you probably run across it because you talk to organizations who, yeah. who talk to you and say, hey, the atmosphere here is just, uh, we're stressed out and, and we need to do something. And, and uh, and the leader gets this, but maybe some of the people on the team are no, uh, don't know what to make of this when the leader comes in and says, okay, uh, I've got Ellie Shoja here, and she's talking about uh, meditation. So uh, uh, why is it important for the company or uh, organization to encourage that, that meditation, encourage the employees to, to get with this? And, and uh, yeah and help them sort of distinguish what it is because actually it's a practice mm -hmm. uh it's not a, a religious thing or a spiritual no. thing that's actually a practice so how do you how do you make this uh when you walk into an organization how do you sort of make that sale as it were yeah so first of all if the leader gets it that's a huge thing i mean there's a reason you know apple and google and cognizant have meditation and mindfulness practices kind of built into their company. It's because their leadership gets it, right? And this thing, this meditation, mindfulness, it's very experiential. And all you have to do is experience that level of clarity and uh, you know, have it sub uh, subdue your stress and your anxiety and give you the solution a lot more easily just one time for you to be able to uh, understand the real benefits of it, right?
But if the leadership gets it, you're 90% there because the leadership is going to find a way to implement it. But then my job becomes making, uh, you know, helping the team understand the real benefits of it. And for me, uh, it's very important to kind of like talk about meditation in a more scientific way, you know, just to show why it works. It doesn't work because, you know, it's, uh, it's not like this ethereal, um, <clears throat> you know, a magical thing that happens. No, on a physiological level, it actually uh, does things to your body to your mind, to your brain, to your heart that, uh, that help you find clarity. I mean, science experience, experiments now show that when you're meditating, your heart goes into, uh, in, into a more steady heartbeat, right? So when you are meditating, your brain goes into a state where all of the parts of your brain communicate with each other a lot more cohesively. You go into brain cohesion. That's why you're able to uh, make those connections a lot more easily. So science is telling us that. So then my job becomes making it so easy, so fast, you know, like that, you know, such a small kind of entry point for people that they get to start experiencing it uh, just with 30, 60 seconds of commitment at a time. And then when they do that, all it takes is for them to like connect with that knowingness for a split second and then they're sold. <laughs> then yeah. they're just going to make it part of their lives. Yes, we're coming down very rapidly. This has just really yes. been engaging. We're coming down very rapidly to, to our close and, and we typically will talk about uh, our sponsors uh, here. Uh, and I don't know which of our sponsors. Uh, I'm, ready. I'm ready for that, Russell. And uh, before I start with that, you've you've put up some links in the chat here uh, for her website, Peace Unleashed, and then her podcast on iTunes and her blog and her Instagram. I have put those on the website. So if people go to thenonprofitexchange.org and click on your lovely picture, it'll take them to the page. And then... Um, um, they will. They can click on these links. We'll have this recording posted uh, by morning tomorrow. And people are listening to this podcast. We don't know when, what year, but there's some <laughs> way to find out about your your podcast. And I will say that your wisdom vastly exceeds your linear years. This is really this is very deep stuff. Our um, I, what I'll do is give a sponsor message, um, Ellie. Then give it to you to do a final thought for people just a short tip or a final thought to leave people with. And then Russ will close us out in this really wonderful podcast. Thank you for being here today. Our sponsor for this one is the United Methodist Cyber Campus. It's, it's the Board of Higher Education and Ministry of the United Methodist Church. It's an online learning portal for ministry professionals, but really good leadership is good leadership. And you'll see some major, major institutions there You'll see Center Vision's logo. You'll see Center Vision's programs in there. But there's a, there's a portal for continuing education. And like Jim Rohn has said so many times, work on yourself more than you work on your enterprise. Work on yourself more than you work on your business. And that would apply to church or nonprofit leaders especially. So it's UMC for United Methodist Church Cyber Campus. And it's a, it's a very sophisticated portal, and there are lots of really mainline institutions that offer that offer learning opportunities um, and very high level curriculum but there's all as a wide variety like the program that center vision has on there is a fundamental leadership program that, that anybody running a small charity running a small or medium or large church or synagogue could benefit from so umccybercampus.com they have been an ongoing sponsor of the magazine and the podcast and center vision in, in general. So Ellie, what thought would you like to leave people with today? I, I want to piggyback on that quote that you sh shared about uh, working on yourself more than working on your business. And, and uh, I can tell you that I've, I've had five different businesses and uh, I've learned a lot through failure 
of being an entrepreneur. And I can tell you that if we spend just a fraction of the time that we spend on trying to get, let's say, new business, on our mindset, on our internal environment, we would get so much more business. We would get so much farther ahead. And I see that the biggest mistake entrepreneurs, leaders, you know, and I'm sure it's true with nonprofit leaders make is that they spend all of their time outside trying to be physical matter, you know, bringing in physical, uh, you know, experiences rather than transcending it, becoming um, non-physical. It's like being the difference is like being inside the maze and going right and left, trying to find, stumble your way to the solution to rising above the maze and flying just over it. So when we work on ourselves, every time we work on ourselves, on that internal environment, we rise up. It's like we're in a hot air balloon. We go higher and higher. Pretty soon you're going to be above the maze and you're just going to coast right over it. Yes, thank you very much, Ali. It's been very enlightening, and that's another great term, enlightenment. I'd like to thank you for taking time to join us this week and to thank all of you nonprofit difference makers out there who are serving others. And 2019 is going to be a very good year for all of us here. The important thing is to take care of yourself, and meditation is a tool yeah. that can be simple. So, uh, Subscribe to Ellie's podcast and get some practical tools to help you and your team go out there and continue to make impact. The better you are, the more people benefit because there are a lot of people who are relying on your work out there. And uh, we're just blessed and grateful and ready to uh, move uh, society forward as nonprofit leaders. With that, uh, the Nonprofit Exchange is here every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. We've got a great slate of of guests and, and webinars coming up this year. So we'll be looking forward to seeing you again right here next week. Uh, this podcast is available on both iTunes and Stitcher. Thank you very much, and we shall see you next week. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you so, so much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.